Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to another episode of Acting Inspired with me, Lewis Goody. Uh, I am down in Devon at the moment, as you know. Uh, I have my uh, my grandfather's funeral this week, uh, and so I've just been down uh, here trying to look out for my my family lamb and just spend some time thinking about my gramps. Um, and I appreciate again your your patience with me after saying. In 2018, I'm gonna fucking kick it off with a boom. And there's just a little spanner in the works, but it's all right. It's good. We're we're I'm I'm cracking on. But for the sake of uh, of ease this week, I um because I actually meant to post this a while ago, um but I did a uh, I did another great podcast called the 42 podcast, the 42 podcast, um with Vittorio Angeloni and he's a a, a fourth year uh, musician at Guildhall who is auditioning for acting programs and he, his podcast is great he talks to actors and uh inspiring creative people and and um it's a great listen so please uh I'm going to post the episode that I did on his podcast um and hope that you guys will go and check out his pod as well uh, as well as mine stay stay with me as well but please pe- please feel free to uh, explore elsewhere also <laughs> um but that's all i say for now ladies and gents thank you again for your patience um and i will be back with you and on track next week um 100% fully present i'm there life's good uh speak to you very soon Enjoy the 42 podcast. My head is filled with questions and I can assure you no answer to any one of them has ever brought me one iota of happiness. Uh, yeah. We are all equals as human beings. I'm a unicorn. I'm a unicorn. I'm a unicorn. And you're not going to tell me that I'm not. What is happening? What have we done? What mistakes have we made? Let's re-examine our existence. 42. Let's get started. Lewis Goody. Yes, the, sir. The creator and producer and star <laughs> of Acting Inspired. Yes. Um, which is a great podcast. You plug it yourself. I'm going to plug your podcast for you. Uh, oh, what do you want me to say? <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, I don't know, man. It's changed a lot over time. Like it, it started yeah. as a purely interview-based thing. That mm-hmm. was like the idea was to speak to actors who have like um, through a lack of work or a lack of inspiration or whatever have done something else along the side of it or completely replaced it or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and to see you know why they did that or, and how they did whatever they did. So my example all the time is the I think it was the first podcast I did with a guy called Liam Bergen um, who was at Guildhall as well years before me um, 
he set up a t-shirt printing business. Oh, that's the the boom done boom shop. done shop. Yeah, yeah. I listen to that one exactly. Um, oh yeah, that might have been the second one you listened to. That was fairly more recent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah is it that he he did like my first episode as well? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the idea to talk to actors who had done that kind of thing, or set up a theatre company, or um, or completely packed it in. If like I wanted yeah. to try and get like an honest sort of talk about chat about you know about I guess what happens as you move on through this career yeah well that's a big issue like I was um, I have a friend that just graduated Guildhall and just started working acting like, impl- no uh, tuba player but mm-hmm. just like he said retired from the tuba right. um, he's now like employability something officer right. at Guildhall oh wow um, and he that's I think that's a big thing where like musicians the the structure of the course is very aware that a lot of what you do will probably not be performing yeah. in the exact field that you want to be performing or performing at all. Yeah. Like you'll do a lot of teaching and you'll have to set stuff up and blah, 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 blah. But from speaking to actors, there's maybe, and it's a, it's a positive and a negative where actors, maybe the training really focuses just on the training. Yeah. And, and it's less about, less about giving you those tools to like surviving yeah yeah which is like a lot of actors say that like like musicians are made very aware from day one that when you leave music college it's just a cliff right it's just a cliff and you you have to set stuff up yeah you have to set stuff up and that's the only thing but like with actors I think there may be a hope that it's just like oh you'll get an agent and then you'll get work and then it's fine yeah I mean I don't know I feel like for some reason, I don't know why, but I feel like that's something they're thinking about more mm-hmm. now. Because um, I graduated six years ago, I think, um, and there certainly wasn't much talk about mm-hmm. business, <laughs> you know, <laughs> once, you, once you're out. Yeah. Um, not a lot of it anyway. I think they do more and more like workshops and things now. And I guess Ken, um, who was on my podcast as well recently, he, he gives you some idea of those things, but yeah. more in a sort of organisational level and yeah uh positive kind of thinking vibe as well yeah but in so in fourth year mm. which i'm currently in yeah um there's a weekly lecture on it's called like professional studies yeah, yeah. which is like how to do your taxes oh. how to set something up how to set up a charity how yeah to, like how to or like you part of the, the course is like you have to put on an event wow that's part of the music course like it's called your independent performance project wow. or something. So you have to do that. And there's a, your professional portfolio where you write an essay about your strengths and what you want to do and how you're going to achieve it. Like, and what networking you have to do to achieve it. Yeah, that's cool. So it's this whole like module yeah. with like loads of writing, but like just entirely focused on all that stuff. That's really cool. That's like away from like just training your craft. Yeah. Totally. As it were. Yeah. Because I mean that the first thing you said then was like the first shocker was when like t- self-assessment tax oh, well, started happening. And I was like, what the fuck do I do with this? Sorry, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. I swear loads. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, what, what, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. And we had like yeah. some woman come in and speak to us on the last day we were there. <laughs> All, I think it was like the day after our last performance of the musical. Yeah, and no and one's going to be in a good state. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, great. Cheers, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I shit myself recently. I just started this this teaching job, yeah. teaching drum kit. And 
when I first like was doing all the paperwork, they said like, oh, we, like part of the school's policy is you need to like send us proof that you're registered self-assessment for tax. Right. And I, I always knew in the back of my mind I would have to register for self-assessment at some point. Yeah. And I would like, but I just didn't want it to be this year. Yeah. yeah. I just, I want it to be next year. Or like, <laughs> I just don't want it to be yet. And I kind of like looked through their whole school policy and found some weird loophole where I could be like officially employed by the council oh, wow. to do the teaching so I don't have to self-assess my tax. Oh, that's which cool. Which is just the best thing ever. Yeah, I'm fucking I'm just like not. so stressed. I, just, I bet, man. I hate that stuff. Although as, as being a student, are you... Because I remember panicking about it, but then there was some, we didn't have to do it for the first year or something, the first year out. Or, well, if you... If you make enough, even uh, while you're studying, yeah, yeah. so it's like fourteen grand. Or yeah, something, you still have to, you still have to, like self-assess and yeah. and, and pay tax. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I gotta do that after you leave. I'm doing my self-assessment. That's so annoying. I know. Yeah. I just like, but there's there's I've heard hilarious loopholes and, uh, I mean, I doubt anyone from HMRC listens to my podcast. <laughs> but, um, I don't know if any of these are true, but. Um, the there's weird stuff as a performer that you can claim tax back on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like toothpaste, yeah, hairbrush, Self-care, shampoo, yeah, yeah, shower gel. My it's mate's like brother. Off the instrument. Yeah, my mate's brother got his PS4 <laughs> tax deductible because he said that he used it to listen to pieces that he had to play. Yeah, and apparently that was fine. Yeah, and he yeah. just got loads of tax off. Which is ridiculous, like, obviously, <laughs> but like... I know, I always find it so funny. That it's always like actors and artists and liberals and stuff who are, you know, they're all like, you know, we've got to pay our taxes and, you know, oh, this company's not paying their taxes or whatever. But then when the self-assessment comes through, it's like, you, you know you can claim on a fucking, on a pillow and, yeah, a, and, yeah, yeah. and a toothpick for a barbecue. That's why you can't, you can't blame... You almost can't blame the corporations for not paying their tax. Fuck yeah, I would, you know. Like, if there's a loophole, I'd, I'd take it yeah. straight through it. Although, isn't that what uh, Jimmy Carr got in trouble for? Yeah. He, like, he took a loophole and then he was like, which was perfectly legal, I don't blame but him. everyone hated him. Nah, me too. I like, fucking... the government, like, the legis- like, that just shows you that the legislation needs to <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not the, you can't expect corporations to be like, oh, we could not pay tax, but we're going to pay exactly. tax and make less profit. No, obviously. Obviously, they're not going to, if they can legally not pay tax. Exactly, man. It's like getting a hacker in to, like, look after your security of your business, yeah. you know? You, yeah. Someone's tested it. Oh, they found a loophole. Now you can cover it up. I was yeah. doing you a favour. But they just don't cover it up. <laughs> no, Because the corporations also pay the government. Exactly. Oh, oh, it's yeah. a whole big thing. <laughs> um, um, we'll get back to acting inspired. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I think it's, like, a really great title for a podcast because it has a double meaning and totally. everything with a double meaning is the best thing ever. <laughs> but it's like it's weekly yeah which ideally I'd like the 42 podcast to be weekly dude it's not easy it's hard like it seems hard like I'm I'm struggling with monthly yeah I'm struggling, I'm struggling with monthly yeah well I think it's finding that balance between like because right now I'm going I'm, I've got other things going on as well and obviously you know with with not making any money from the podcast I, I can't always prioritise it as mm-hmm. much as I really want to um, so with the weekly thing I find myself getting to like the day before the release and I'm like oh shit and sometimes that works out well because I 
I'm under pressure. Mm -hmm. So I actually like spout some, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, some wisdom maybe (laughs) or something, you know, like a life lesson that I've learned anyway. Um, and, and then, but then I feel like if I do it once a month, I would just be like, yeah, there's nothing to worry. Like I got ages and then I'll just do the same thing anyway. So, and it was, it was hard for me to do it because I, I kept sort of, what they say one of the most important things with the podcast is like the uh, consistency. Yeah, like that it comes out. Yeah, exactly. And um, so I've really tried to even just, so now even if I get to like the day before and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say though, or I haven't mm-hmm. got a guest, I, ha- I do it anyway. Yeah. So it's partly like an experiment for Acting Inspired, the podcast, to to like, you know, I'm just going to stick to this schedule and whatever comes out, comes out, but at least I'm doing it and it, you know, gives me that. Yeah. Well, like you kind of have to do that with with anything anything, really. Like, like I had a friend who went on Erasmus to Germany Mm -hmm. and he had this like new horn teacher who's like absolutely brutal and has like his way of doing things. And he just felt like he was banging his head against the wall for six months. Yeah. But he's like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to put the work in because it's, it'll eventually something will happen something will happen something will happen yeah and it was like his last lesson in Germany the guy was like oh yeah that was good yeah, 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 yeah. and it's just it's so hard like I I really struggle with stuff that's like means to an end yeah like I, I, my mum always used that phrase like during my A-levels she's like oh it's just a means to an end yeah it's yeah, just yeah. a means to an end whereas like in school I like was really interested by some of the stuff yeah so like would like be really like read up on that and yeah. like learn it but then some of the stuff I was like, no, that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I didn't. Exactly. Yeah. But then my mum was like, oh no, like just learn everything. It's just a means to an end. Like it's just to get the grade. And yeah. I'm like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Not that my mum does listen to this. I'm not saying you're disgusting. <laughs> um, the education system, like being set up yeah. as like a means to an end. Totally. It's very strange. Yeah. It's not a good way to start. It's, it's very weird. And like, I keep thinking about this, right? So it's a big thing in music and probably in drama as well, general like arts education. Mm. Kind of, they're not seen as like core subjects. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. Your, your core subjects are like your um, maths, English, and like science. Yeah. Um, and they're like, everyone always does that big thing talk, when they talk about music classes in school. They're like, well, when am I going to play the recorder again? Like, yeah. why, why are we learning the recorder? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, you could say that about any subject that you did in school. Yeah, man. Any subject. Like, there's so much stuff that I know that I don't need to know. Like, yeah. I, know what, I know what osmosis is. And that seems more useful because it's science. Yeah. But realistically, all education is, is like teaching you transferable skills. Yeah. And like the recorder teaches you like a like, little bit of discipline that it takes to practice for like 10 minutes a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like maybe like playing working in a group if you do like group music stuff or yeah. whatever and it's like it seems like all those science subjects do is like so it teaches you like logical thinking and problem problem solving and like I like that discipline thing again because you have to work at it like every day yeah but but like I don't understand why some of them are called core subjects and some of them aren't called yeah core no subjects. it's true it's, it's it's all cool it's all it's just skills it's not skills yeah it's not the it's not the matter yeah it's how you use it yeah I, th- I think yeah that's how I treat everything <laughs> anyway and it's gone terribly so far oh so. no, no I'm <laughs> sure it's fine man yeah so 
for for podcast stuff. Yeah, like so it it currently basically costs me money to do the podcast to like host it and yeah. to go places and kit and yeah. SD cards and all that crap. But like, have you ever looked into getting like sponsors? Um, no, not really. I mean, I I thought something was happening because I always one thought at a time, Lewis. Um, <laughs> I on Libsyn on the host mm-hmm. that particular host it there's a sponsorship tab and I was like oh let me see what that is and I clicked it and it's it, it, the basic it basically says in order to get sponsorship you need twenty thousand U S downloads a month and I was like. Oh, that's so. Yeah, I was like, I don't think that's gonna happen, man. Like, I don't know, maybe. So, but in my head, I was like, maybe I can get up to that many, and I'll just keep going. Yeah, if you like, absolutely slog away at it. Yeah, and I don't do enough to to obviously to get it to that fucking level. That's that's huge. Yeah, it's massive. Twenty thousand a month. Like, there's big podcasts I listen to that don't get even near. Yeah, I think that's only maybe through through that particular host. I don't know, but on with. The one I'm on now on Blog Talk Radio, they, they do like a, you don't have to have a specific amount of people downloading mm-hmm. to have sponsorship, um, but it's just the amount of, they rather than you reading something out, you know, like, oh, this is sponsored by Casper Mattresses or yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, you know, they'll just play a, a, a 30 second ad. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they choose the ads. Okay. Um, and then per however many impressions on that ad. I don't really understand how it works. It's but magic. then you get some. I think in the last five months I've made like two dollars seventy five or something. I mean, I'll pay the bills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. Cause I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I'm sure like I'm so bad at um you know, I'm only I'm nearly fucking thirty and I'm still learning now to be a bit braver Hmm. Um, and you know grow a pair in a way in terms of sponsorship and stuff because I'm sure all it would take is you know I guess approaching Spotlight or Equity or Mm -hmm. Guildhall even or you know whatever and just being like look I'm doing this thing it's in the area of your sort of business or whatever maybe you could like yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure it could start that way. You know, just a conversation. Because yeah. there's the Honest Actors podcast, and he's, I think he's sponsored. I think Spotlight maybe, or maybe he just does it. I'm not. Sure. I haven't heard it for a while. But he, I think, gets sponsorship from like a tickets. Yeah. Like a theatre tickets thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, but he's got a lot more listeners, I think, than than I have. So I think it, that yeah. becomes easier. Um, but if you've got a handful of listeners, then they might be like, oh, well, another thousand people are going to hear this a month or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, that'd be good to plug out. And, you know, I, I guess I started in, with young actors in mind or people mm-hmm. who want to be actors and uh, or people who are training or people who are actors. Oh, yeah. It's for everyone. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I, was gonna, what I was saying that. But like the audience for, for that kind of sponsorship yeah. is there. Um, so I just need to be more proactive than that. Yeah, well, yeah. my 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 granny has invented maybe the best thing I've ever heard. Oh, I had, yeah. Like a big chat with her. I was home at the weekend, but I was like the last time I was home. Yeah, big chat with my granny. She wants to. She's got this um, this like stained glass window that she like is obsessed with. Yeah, and she's like eighty three. That's yeah. definitely not right, but it's something around there. 
Um, and she, so she really likes this stained glass window that was, it was commissioned by the Irish government to give to the Swiss government. Right. And it's by like an artist called Harry Clark. She's got a Facebook page. It's called the Harry Clark Project. Like it. Um, Will do. And it's so funny because she's had to get like my cousin to like be the admin on it. She <laughs> does not know her face. She's 83. Why would she know yeah, her Yeah, no, they let her off. Man. But she's, so she's getting, she wants to make a book. Yeah. Like just like a little touristy book. There's like one side of the page is like a picture of one of the pains. Yeah. And the other side, just like a little bit of history uh, or info or like a story about it. That's cool. Um, Cause it's like based on a story and it goes through oh, right. like the window. And she's invented this thing. She's called Brass Neck Mondays. Okay. And it came from, so she's approaching publishers to make this book. And she, she's like sent an email to this publisher saying, this is what I want the book to be about. This is the window, blah, 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 blah. Um, and she sent this email to the publisher and the publisher said, oh, it's really interesting, but it's not the kind of book that we would normally publish. Yeah. Like maybe try these publishers. Um, that's cool so she was looking through books like a bookshop with like the kind of books that she was looking for and she's, yeah. and she's like oh this is this is like, it had like art and then yeah, yeah and she's like this is exactly what I want mine to kind of look like and she looked on the back to find the publisher and it was that publisher that said oh, that what? wasn't the kind of thing that they did yeah so she normally wouldn't have sent an email yeah, yeah, yeah. like sarky email being yeah, like yeah. oh man but she's invented this thing called Brass Neck Mondays which is if you have like a particularly ballsy or like kind of putting your neck on the line email to send that will like might end in them being like oh they're like whatever oh. or it could just like get you yeah. in the door somewhere so she sent an email being like oh um, that's a shame I found it interesting I was in a bookshop recently and I saw this book published by you blah 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 like just the, this kind of like super passive aggressive yeah, yeah. with these publishers um, and she had it all typed out and then she didn't send it but it came up to Monday and she was like right it's brass neck Monday I'm going to send she this send. so you just like you have all these emails ready to go that you would never send da, 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 da. she's like bang 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 um, and she yeah I think they responded and she might be like going to meet them what to talk about like that is fucking which awesome is, which is like crazy but I like a fully adopted brass neck Mondays like those That's emails a- where you're just like putting yourself that little bit more out there yeah than man you just do it on Monday yeah I mean that's a great idea like amazing just a day to force yourself to yeah because if you like you can always put it off yeah but if you have it set as Mondays yeah then you'll just do it yeah 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 you just put, them in, put them all in an outbox file and yeah. just hit send on all of them um, oh, that's a wicked idea yeah I mean I should I should do that but I think you know, I, when I started the podcast, I was thinking I was thinking more about that kind of stuff. And I was like, like I was saying to you before we started recording, I think, like, I, I really wanted to make a podcast. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what about. I was, like, trying mm-hmm. to find what I wanted it to be about. And my initial thoughts were, like, I could get loads of listeners because I know loads of actors who are probably going to do really well and who are doing really well already. So mm-hmm. if I just talk to them, then I'll get loads of listeners and I'll get sponsorship and I can make money. Woo! Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and my my brain just started going down there, and I was like, oh, what am I doing? And then, and then I found the sort of premise that for what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, and all of that other stuff became irrelevant. And I'm still enjoying doing it. So, for me at this stage, because I've got other things going on as well, I'm, it's just the, it's just the case of making it as good as I can with what I have for now, and then when I get to a stage where I have a bit more time to focus on it 
then I can maybe try and push it to the next yeah. level or and then whatever. like yeah once you push it to that next level yeah you, you just need to keep it taking over again exactly it's like effort to get it to that's the next it level. but for now I'm just trying to make it as good as I can and, and keep improving like because yeah. you know I mean like I've only been doing it for two years or something yeah really and um so yeah I'm like new to it yeah. I think but it is really good like I listen to it yeah. it's like oh, I don't so. listen to a lot of podcasts I listen to Joe Rogan yeah I listen to one the general banter podcast from back home nice I listen to Hannibal Burris sometimes yeah I listen to yours oh cool and that's pretty much it <laughs> and um, and yeah it's sick and yeah. it's like it's really interesting because my podcasts are like rather long generally like the first one was two hours the second one was like an hour and a half yeah but yours are always half an hour except that like if I do an interview, I it's yeah. sometimes an hour. But yeah, if it's I'm, I think if I'm the on Ken, my own. was the Ken Ray one like two hours. Ken Ray one might have been a couple of hours. Yeah. That was that like was a special. Sick, though. That's such a like yeah. If it, like if you're gonna listen to an episode, like I've listened to like maybe five or six and the Ken. The yeah, Ken Ray one. the Ken one is good. I he's a great guy, um, and we got we did it in the tv studio, studio thing yeah. at guildhall it's great for sound i was like this yeah. sounds amazing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah that, that that was a great one yeah yeah it's, it was really interesting yeah man so you yeah you studied at guildhall yeah i did yeah six, six years six years ago yeah six years ago is when you graduated is when i graduated yeah so like how did you start acting what started that um well I, w- I always ask myself this question. I'm never, I'm never quite sure how it really started. I mean, I know the first thing that I got involved in, I, like I enjoyed my drama classes at school, mm-hmm. um, mainly because I like being silly. And, <laughs> Everyone like, says that. It's yeah, so funny. Just messing about. <laughs> yeah. Because that is, I think, the core of of acting for me is uh, the 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 freedom to be vulnerable and you know be silly to make someone laugh or like yeah. you know to give someone something and to play it to, to, to help their imagination or to lift them or to whatever to do yeah. something to someone else um, but I remember enjoying my drama classes and like you know the classic like being you were told I was told that I was good in drama mm-hmm. um, and I do remember my drama teacher giving me this like I remember because they had uh, the, the youth theatre in Plymouth which is where I'm from had these like triangular leaflets which I always thought was weird and I remember her giving me one and then I was like oh that's cool and I put it in my bag and I and it was there for like probably a year classic just just in my bag and I didn't do anything about it like I've always been like this (laughs) my shit I'm nearly fucking 30 and I'm still acting the same way (laughs) I'm getting better I'm getting better um but then uh and I sort of forgot about that but then uh, when I was a kid and still now, like I was, I'm a massive hip hop fan and like mm-hmm. um, just obsessed with it since I was a kid and always sort of writing silly songs and mucking about and stuff and with music and I don't know recording programs on the computer and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and my mum, we used to go to the theatre occasionally uh, to watch like a big show. Plymouth is like a it's a really nice theatre, but it's like the main house for. It's like the starting point for big tours, like West End tours. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. generally start in Plymouth and then go on from there. Yeah. Um, I think that's how it works. Or end there. Oh, shit, I can't remember. Um, so we'd go and see those shows. And I always liked it. I always enjoyed it. And I did always think, fucking hell, that looks well fun, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid. And 
Um, so my mum had a brochure for the theatre, and then in the brochure there was a there was a advert for auditions for the new youth theatre company or play or whatever they were doing and it was a hip-hop musical called mm-hmm. Skate so my mum read hip-hop musical and was like oh there's this thing about hip-hop in this magazine you might like to check yeah. it out I think it was like 13 maybe um, so I checked it out and I you know I used to skate and stuff as well and they that that was like part of the the thing you had to apply for the audition and then go in and you had to bring your skates or your skateboard and um, just be up for like this full day of workshop audition. Yeah. Um, and I really didn't want to. I, I was. I like got my skates and stuff and went to this place and it's weird. I, and still to this day, even sometimes in situations where I'm new to a group, I get like a bit freaked out. Yeah. Um, and my confidence goes weird, like because I'm I can be quite a confident person. Yeah. But then it, it gets wavered if I'm in like a completely new environment, as it does for most of us, I imagine. Yeah, I was I, trying to work out why that is. It's probably some like biological thing. It's like, weird, yeah. When you, when you go into like a new tribe. It's quite animalistic, yeah. yeah. Like I get in, I stand in the corner, I go, who looks like they might be all right? Yeah. And go, okay, I'll try that one. Um, but I remember getting there and I was I was like, it was just before it started and the, the, the youth theatre director was walking through the foyer of the building and I stood there with my mum going, I don't know if I can do this. And, um, and my mum spoke to him and was like, he, he wants to come and audition. He's never done anything like this before. He's like scared. Like, what, what, you know, what, is he, will he be all right kind of thing? He was like, yeah, we're just going to muck about and like read some scenes and skate around. Like they had this huge rehearsal because the rehearsal space in Plymouth is uh, unbelievable. It's called mm-hmm. TR2. They've got this whole building and it's, um, they've got a, rehearsal space that's the size of the main stage mm. um, which is huge yeah. uh, and we were in there and they had all like wooden planks down on the floor and a little like quarter pipe oh, and they had like a proper little skate park thing going on and uh, and we had to like skate around and then read these scenes and I had the best fucking day ever it was awesome um, and then I got I got a part in, in that thing it was called Vid Kid I was like a little kid on blades with a video camera and I was, I can't remember the story exactly, but I was film, obsessed with filming everything. Um, and we rehearsed for six weeks over the summer. Or no, like, yeah, we rehearsed for four weeks and then we did a two-week run in the drum theatre at the Theatre Royal in Plymouth. And it was by far, like, the best time I've ever had in my life. Um, we were doing music, like, singing, dancing, hip-hop stuff, uh, it was quite a big deal. I think it was this director's second show with us at the at the youth theatre, or it was his second show, my first. Um, and it was like they got loads of publicity. I remember going to like radio shows and doing these like little publicity things for this show, and I was like, "This is mental." And then we did this two week run and being backstage and like you know hanging out with all the other act- like young actors like in in the theatre royal and then yeah. going up and doing our show every night and and it was just the best feeling ever um, and then I carried on doing those shows after that and I don't think I ever really thought about it as like a career or something like that but it just it's just something that that kept seeming like the best option yeah because it was what I really enjoyed doing yeah um, and then so at the end of school I was like I, I wasn't I, I didn't enjoy school at all and 
So as soon as we were 16, I was like, fuck, I need to get out of here. And um, so I went to college and I was like, like, well, I guess I'll do performing arts then. And just did that for another two years. And then while I was there, the teachers there were like, you know, what about drama school? And I, at that point, I was like, what the fuck is that? And, um, and I mean, I knew that they existed or whatever, but I didn't really know the details. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, and they they sort of said, well, you should try and like audition for these schools, and like you got to do a couple of monologues and whatever. And I remember the first time I auditioned for drama schools was horrendous. I was like learning a Malvolio speech at seventeen years old, sat on the back of a bus on the way to the audition. Yeah, I just had no idea how because even with the young company stuff, I like I only ever learned lines once once we did it because the auditions were just workshops yeah. basically you know um, so coming into a room with one person having to know a speech suddenly I was like what the fuck I, did, I think I did Malvolio uh, uh, Caliban which is like a big audition no-no uh, <laughs> apparently because he's like a monster he's not human yeah um, so they, they suggest not doing that kind of thing and um and I died on my ass, obviously, <laughs> because yeah. I just didn't know it and didn't know what I was doing. And then I took a year off and just worked at Tesco and shit and um, and carried on doing a couple of shows at the, the Theatre Royal. And mm. um, and then I took it a bit more seriously and like learnt my speeches. And, and then I, obviously I, I could only afford to audition at like two schools max. Yeah. So I auditioned at Arts Ed around the corner from here because uh, I hadn't done that before and then Guildhall because I enjoyed the vibe from the previous year um, yeah and, this, and that time I got in so it it was never really like a sorry I've just talked for so long no that's good um, I've, I'm not one for planning and yeah. saying all that now I'm like fucking hell I never I never I never once sat down when I was 16 and went, right, I need these things to get into drama school and this is what I need to do. And yeah. like, you know, I just sort of was like, oh, that's, is that the next thing we do? Someone went, this is what you normally do now. And I was like, oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's very strange where like, I kind of, I struggle a lot with people that have like goals. Mm. That sounds really lazy of me. Like I struggle with it. But like, I don't, I've never really had goals I always like base it on like values more than goals. Yeah. So rather than saying like I want to be here, like I'll be like I want to do stuff that makes me feel interested, or yeah. excited, or like totally whatever. I think there's value in both, and it's about finding the balance between them because I I also feel like I was too young when I went. Looking back in hindsight, like I feel like I went too young because I'm. You know, I'm I'm going through changes now that I that in myself that I'm like, oh right. You know, if I was if I was at drama school now, I think I'd be learning so much more. Yeah, but do you think you can apply that like retrospectively? Um, yeah, I mean, like it's I'm not I'm not going to go back to drama school. Yeah, or, but like, you know, so if you like realize something, totally, do you think you're just like fully capable of just like thinking back because obviously you have to that's what like life is yeah I guess so yeah and and I think it's more accepting that you know that's how that part of my life went now I feel like I I know a bit more and I yeah and I can look back and go okay oh I understand that now I know how to use that now but also like um 
I completely lost my train of thought. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, but, but I just feel, I feel like I wouldn't, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I don't, it's not that I have any regrets. Yeah. Um, cause I, I enjoyed myself and, and I, and I did learn a lot. Um, but I feel like I could have learned more now, but that doesn't matter because I'm learning things as I'm going now and that's all right. Yeah. You know, there's not this time limit. There's not this, I, I've been obsessing over this for the past few weeks and like, there's no, yeah, okay. Like, cause, uh, cause as you know, I think that I, I started to start to do this stand up stuff mm-hmm. and, or at least do it a little bit and try and work something out. And, and a lot of the things that stopped me from doing that going oh, I'm, I'm like 28 years old like I can't no one starts doing this at no one starts doing that at this age it's it's tough it's that thing where I think Joe Rogan talks about it a lot yeah where once you become like a relative expert at something yeah. so like as a drama school graduate relative to Joe blogs you're an expert on yeah, yeah. acting sure and once you kind of train like intensively at something the thought of going back, starting something at square one is crazy. Oh, it's terrible. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because you have to be a novice. You have to be a beginner. And also we are terrible for comparing ourselves. And so like even in the stand-up world, part of the stand-up world that I've entered now, you know, like I'm seeing 18-year-olds who have been regularly gigging for the last two years and absolutely nailing it. And as a stupid sort of immature human being, I go, well, fuck me. I'm no like, if he's like that at 18, like I, you know, I've missed my slot, you know? Yeah. And it's just bullshit. Yeah. It's not like gymnastics. Nah. Like gymnastics, you have to start when you're one. Yeah. But like, but I mean, do you? I feel like to get to the Olympics, considering there's like, you go to the Olympics when you're like 16. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like stand-up, it's one of those things. Like a, a lot of people would argue that with stand-up comedy, you, it's better to be older when you start. Because you have stories, you have kind of um, fully formed thoughts on things. Yeah, and perspective and opinions and yeah. Whereas when you're 18, this is me talking as a 21-year-old, <laughs> patronizing. <laughs> no, no, no. When you're 18, I didn't like. I didn't have a clue what was going on. I felt like I was just looking back. I kind of just drifted. Yeah, man. When I was 18, and just did what I was told. Yeah. I was just went from one thing to the next logical thing. Exactly. And hope for the best, which is really strange looking back and thinking. That's what we do, man. This that's that's how it's set up. Yeah. Oh, I was going down it's this bizarre. road. <laughs> <laughs> They're controlling us, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! I'm so conditioned. <laughs> I'm not gonna be one of those. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll try and avoid going down that path. Um, but yeah, stand-up comedy. So you started doing that. Oh yeah. Which is really cool because stand-up comedy really interests me. Yeah. Because it seems like the scariest thing in the world. Oh god, it's fucking petrifying. It's the most. I think it's the most vulnerable form of performing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's you and you wrote it. Yeah. And there's no music. Yeah. It's just you on stage yeah. with a microphone. And if they don't like your thoughts, if you're shit in a play, very rarely does someone stand up and say, you sure? <laughs> yeah. But in a in stand up, they just do. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, luckily, 
I've never, I've not seen that yet, really. Have I? Yeah, maybe I have. I haven't experienced it, but I've only done like four gigs. Did I say four as an exaggeration? And yeah, maybe three. <laughs> um, so I, I luckily I haven't experienced that. But even just doing it, like standing there for there's I I like filmed a couple of the things that I did, and there's a couple of moments where you you sort of become present for a second. If they react, if they laugh, or if they don't react, and I can see my face going, "Fuck, what am I doing?" <laughs> And then literally pausing and go, and it's completely thrown me off. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's terrifying, man. Like I say, it's all you, so it's all on you. Yeah. You can't hide behind anyone else. It's so vulnerable. That's why it's so beautiful as well. Like, I think it's such a brilliant mm-hmm. form of storytelling, entertainment, like even political stuff that, that I, I, I would argue, I don't. I would say that I don't have a lot of political thoughts and like I don't focus on that kind of thing a lot but any time that I do I'm sure is through certain stand-up that I've watched like I fucking love Doug Stanhope and his sta- do you know do you know yeah I've seen bits yeah like he, he's just a genius I think and he's so switched on he's mental and drunk yeah. all the time yeah um, but his stand-up is hilarious and makes total sense well that's the f- like that's the thing with stand up like when it doesn't make any points it seems a bit empty yeah I think you see people that get up on like Michael McIntyre or like yeah, 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 or whatever yeah. it's called now and it's just like you laugh a bit but the stuff that makes you laugh is because it like matters and yeah it like turns a screw somewhere or like yeah something. totally something you can relate to like and and yeah, something that you understand, um, or at least a, a, a you know a perspective that you can get into for a second and experience. Yeah. Well, that again, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Like I need to stop referencing Joe Rogan. <laughs> He's probably a great dude. my favorite human. He's a pretty um, cool guy. Yeah. yeah, but he says like really good stand up is a form of mind control. Yeah. Because you get to a certain point where the audience just sits there and lets the person on stage think for them yeah yeah, yeah. And you exactly just go yeah. with their train of thought yeah and it just happens and the bits where it's funny is where you preempt where you think the train of thought's going to go and, and it just goes somewhere else yeah, 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 and yeah. because you're so like such a passenger they just take it on a different direction and you laugh for some reason that's your reaction to that yeah, yeah. which is very strange <laughs> it's mad do, do you like joe rogan's stand-up yeah 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 i like one of my favorite stand-up set like specials is his 2006 one that's on Netflix. What's it called? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. He's Joe wearing a flat something, cap. Everything. Backwards. Joe explores everything. No Joe questions. Everything, everything is yeah. that's his series. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, where yeah, he does yeah. all the conspiracies, oh, yeah, is which hilarious. is so funny. Um, yeah, weirdly, I I'm the same. I love him. I love his podcast. I think it's fucking awesome, and I think he's right about a lot of stuff and way more open and vulnerable than he sometimes appears mm. um, but I, I'm not a massive fan of his stand-up really? yeah that's interesting I always think watching watching stand-up on TV does it such a disservice totally yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've obviously only ever seen Joe Rogan on TV like I've never been to LA and he never yeah. comes to the UK but 
after go, I'm trying to go to like two stand up gigs a week. Oh, cool. Just to see it and be in, around that kind of scene because I'm setting up yeah. a comedy club in, in Guildhall. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is on the 12th of October. Um, I'll plug Can in anyone come? Intro. Yeah, come. All right, great. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go do on. it. Okay. Um, and just the, that, the really ta- like tangible stuff being in the room when a stand-up comedian is on stage, it's just, it's magic. Oh yeah, it's a totally it's different It's so thing. intense and, and, and it's that, those moments when people heckle or something bombs. And it's even, if you get someone at an open mic that gets up and falls on their face for five minutes, it's so intense. It's still an experience. You're, you're gripping your seat. Yeah, 100%. Because you, you're at a comedy night, so you want to laugh and you want them to do well. Yeah. And if it doesn't, it's so stressful. I know, yeah. Man. Not in a... I don't really understand those people that are like, oh, you shake it off, tell us a joke, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I only speak when spoken to. Yeah. At a, oh, I felt really bad. So maybe two weeks ago now, yeah. I was at a comedy night at the Miller. Nope. At, it was in Camden. It's on tonight. It's on every... Like one Thursday a month. It's called Funny Feckers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was there not too long ago myself. Hmm. Might have been there at the same time. Yeah. But, oh no, you like I got like spoken to a lot. Okay, fair. <laughs> so, yeah, so I walked in with my friend who doesn't go to a lot of comedy. And yeah. she went, oh, let's sit at the front. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no yeah, let's yeah, not yeah. sit at the front. And she was adamant. She was like, no, I'm going to sit at the front. So I sat there front row like, oh, God. Um, and, and yeah, so I don't speak unless I'm spoken to because I like... I admire people that do stand yeah, up so totally. much. So, so I'm sat there and the MC straight away goes like, is there anyone Irish? Like, yeah. And he comes straight over. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but then this guy who was the so- sound guy for the for the comedy night was doing one of the five minutes. So it was just yeah. open mic night. Like it was, everyone did five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good night. Yeah, yeah. And the guy did... So the, the sound guy, so there's two guys that run the MC and the technician man. And the technician man got up to do his five and fell on his face. Oh, shit. It was terrible. Oh, it no. was really, really, like, it just didn't land. Everyone was sat there and it was, there was a few kind of, like, nose exhales. Yeah. Like, but, like, no one laughed at any stage. And oh, it was no. just very hard. And you could see him on stage. And he was kind of coming to the end of his set and he just like steps to the side, like slightly to the side of the stage and just says, I mean, I come across as a nice guy though, don't I? <laughs> and I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I just lost my shit. I was like absolutely howling with laughter and like no one else in the room found it funny. Everyone just found it a bit sad, but I found it funny because it was one of the saddest things I've ever heard. Oh right. And I was just howling with laughter. I'm glad this, I wasn't there. This, this guy just comes over and, and goes like, what? And I was just like, no, don't, 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 don't talk to me. <laughs> and he, and he was, he, he was like, no, what? And I just said the words, it's just desperate as fuck. Ah. And, Everyone burst out laughing, and I've never felt worse in my whole life. Because it's just, I was just made like that. You know when you're like laughing so much. Oh, you get like, caught off guard as well. And I was yeah. just like, I just said exactly what I was thinking, <laughs> and the whole room burst out laughing like at this well, guy. The, the, there's the the proof is that that's what comedy is. It's truth. It's that's what everyone was thinking. Yeah. 
and that's why the room fell apart. I just can't believe. Imagine saying that on stage. I mean, yeah. I come across as a nice guy though, don't I? It's just like. Just I mean, maybe it was an, a joke attempt or something. No, maybe. I, don't know. I mean, it made me laugh a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I felt terrible, and I was expecting him to do that. Like comedians have very thick skins. People that like work, and he runs yeah. a night, so he probably like yeah, yeah. does that. Um, and I was expecting him to kind of give me like maybe shake my hand as he walked off stage or something, or like just at least acknowledge me, being like, "Oh, don't worry, it's fine." Yeah. He just blanked me when he walked off stage and I was just like oh god yeah I mean it's oh god it's a weird I've never felt anything like doing it it's a weird very very weird so do you do you you've run one of your nights have you yeah I ran the freshers one do you MC did you MC yeah yeah and I'm MCing so a week on the 12th yeah on the 12th great um got some really sick comedians in just from that and that's just from me going to like nights in london and just speaking to people after being like oh do you want to come on the 12th great man and like it's maybe a bad thing but also a good thing about comedians that so if you if you say to a musician like oh do you want to do this gig on the 12th of october yeah they'll be like what's the fee yeah yeah yeah. but if you say to a comedian do you want to do this gig on the 12th of october yeah dude it's about it's about practice yeah it's that thing you can practice an instrument in a room by yourself yeah you but can't there's no way to know if something's funny. Yeah. Until you're like, and it's not even so stuff that's funny. Like sat here mm, talking with two people. Yeah. Is not the same as stuff that's funny in front of fifty people. No, not at all. Yeah, it's um. Oh god, it gives me the creeps. <laughs> uh, it's hard. It's hard. But yeah, it's good that you. You're going around and you're asking these guys to do it. It's a, it's a great thing to set up a night. I, I keep going on about, you should come down to Seven Dials Club. Well, my friend does that. He does she, it? Is she Serafina? Do you know what I mean, Serafina? No, I haven't. She did She did one of the support slots at the Freshers Gig. She's really, really good. Her oh, stand up's like super, super intense. Oh, what? And she did the Seven Dials night once? I think so, yeah. Oh, great, yeah, probably. Yeah. I haven't so did there you do, there's like a course there, isn't there? Oh, no, no, no that's Soho. Yeah, the Soho Theatre stand up. She does thing. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've done that. Um, what was that like? What's a stand? Because I always, I kind fucking of, awesome, I'm a bit intrigued by stand up courses. But yeah, I'm no, not. it's it, it's totally like a thing that you you, you, sh- you don't you don't. I don't know. It's not necessary to do like a course, mm-hmm. but I don't really think this this Soho one is like that. It's more of a. They call it the stand up lab. So like once a week every Saturday you come and there's a, a professional comedian there called Andrew Doyle who sort of goes this is what comedy is like you know we think about like persona and then like you know we think about this and this is different types of comedy and he just shows you a load of different shit but most of it is you come with something an idea to try with like 15 other young comedians mm-hmm. and you get up on the stage with a mic and you try it out and you come off and then you you have a little chat about it. That's really Like everyone can just go, oh, that was really funny when you did that, but like, whatever. So it's just, it's more like a feedback session. Yeah. So it's kind of a place well, must, to practice. That, that must be super weird in that you're performing to a room of comedians. Yeah. So do you not think you'd get like a false... Oh, t- yeah. Kind of- 100%. Like it's, it's, it's a magic... It's a, it's a very unlikely environment, but that does give a lot of those people the confidence to carry on doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, 
and and also but also by the end of it because a lot of the so once you get something that you think you like and you start doing that again and again so by the end of it no one's laughing anyway because they've seen it 50,000 fucking times you know so yeah it's not funny for them anymore um, but it's still people for you to do it to yeah um, and but then when, and then you do do like a you get to do a three and a half minute slot mm-hmm. um, at the end of the course in, in the stand up like in bar downstairs Soho. at the Soho Theatre um, and loads of people come it's amazing it's a really good first gig because shit loads of people turn up yeah and it's the nicest audience like you'll yeah. never get an audience like that again and they're like super supportive and super warm because um, they know the conditions or whatever but then that just gives you this little like oh yeah no I, I like I can do this you know yeah and then people start go out and gigging or even some people start gigging while they're still doing like it's not a yeah it's just a, a sort of it's one of those things any comedians that I listen to or speak to just say like you'll you'll be quite bad for about four years yeah you'll be you like it's not it's not you're not gonna be although saying that I've seen some of these guys yeah from the class who have never done it before absolutely smash it because they're just there's one guy who's on his like 85th gig or something he does funny fuckers quite a bit mm-hmm. um, Leighton uh, fuck Leighton Roth I think his name is and he he's done like yeah 80 something gigs now I mean we started at the same time and I've done four yeah I think <laughs> um, and he just he, every week he goes to one or two nights yeah well that's because I spoke to um Rob Broderick, who's in a duo called The Bandaman. Okay. Um, and he headlined the Freshers' Night. And um, I spoke to him a lot. And he was just like, go to three a week. Yeah. And try to perform at at least two. Yeah. And just never stop doing that. Exactly. And and, and the, the hard bit is you will have days like that sound guy where no one is on your wavelength. Yeah. Or you try something and no one gets it. Yeah. And it fucking sucks. But at least you know that you, you know, you might just have to tweak something with that bit and change it or get rid of it completely or, yeah. you know, at least you know. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird thing because anytime I tell anyone that I'm like, like going to start doing like open mic nights for like stand up. Yeah. They always say, oh, let me know when it is and I'll come. Yeah. And I always say, I, I don't want any of my friends there yeah, 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 for yeah, the yeah. first loads. Yeah, yeah. Because that'd be weird. I've been to comedy nights with, like, with someone, a friend of mine on stage, yeah. and, a, and like a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. And the mutual friend just laughs at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, if I had like 20 mates in the audience, it would be weird. Yeah. I would be telling jokes that are funny because you know me. Yeah, yeah, but if yeah. It is, yeah. And so it's a very difficult thing. But I mean, that yeah, I know, I get it completely. But I think it can help as well, you know? It just yeah. Give, give you that little bit. Because you feel, you are alone up there. <laughs> so when you're scanning around the room, if you just catch a friendly face, it's like, oh, fuck, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's not just like, some, I've got backup here, like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but to be honest, mate, I'm not, I'm trying to do something with it now that, you know, my, my stand-up stuff is, as you can tell, I talk a lot when I'm 
in this situation now. Never used to talk. I barely talk unless I'm sat in front of a fucking microphone. Um, so when I get up on stage and do my stand-up, because I'm writing it myself as well, I write these fucking essays. And they're, they're funny, but like there's these, there's, it's just this journey that is like, mm. takes way too much investment. So I'm having to try and cut it down and, um, and I'm thinking about doing something completely different where I sort of introduce a bit of, start doing it with a bit of music and stuff as well. So I'm, I'm starting to think about fucking around with those kind of ideas. But I, I've, I've, like I say, I've only done like four gigs and I haven't been doing it very long. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that's, it's definitely helped me. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because I did a lot of um, kind of clowning when I was in India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wind Up Penguin. Um, which is just the most beautiful. I think clowning is like the most beautiful thing in clowning the world. Clowning is it's And I've got a, a book at the minute called like The Art of Clowning. Yeah, yeah. And there's some really intense exercises in it where you're supposed to get a room full of people and just go up as a client. So already have your nose on before you go on stage. yeah. Go up, um, sit on a chair, and do nothing yeah. for one minute. You're not allowed to sigh. You're not allowed to like smack your lips. You're not no allowed to acting, like, like yeah. just sit there with a blank expression on your face for a minute, being, and see what happens. Yeah, and be comfortable with whatever happens. Yeah, which is madness. Yeah, that yeah, seems yeah. like the most terrifying thing in the world. <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to do it at some point. It's whether it's like how to manufacture an audience of people. To yeah. sit there and do nothing in front of. Oh, they're out there. <laughs> they're definitely out there. Oh yeah, it's London people. Yeah, there. there's an audience. I, I mean, I did a I did a clown thing at the Soho Theatre as well, mm. like a couple of years ago with with Doctor Brownie's school. And he's um, he's fucking unbelievable. Um, is that his clown name? Yeah, it is his clown name. He's uh, he's always at the Soho Theatre. He's from America and he's just he's brilliant. Look him up, Doctor Brown. Mm-hmm. Not the comedian, not the uh, Doc Brown. The yeah, guy not the raps. rapper guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I met a bunch of people on that course. Who there's a guy called Moan Rizwan who um, now does like stand-up clown shows, and they're phenomenal. They are far out, but they are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and he's found his crowd, and he's just moving, moving, yeah. moving. It's great. Yeah. Well, it's definitely stuff you can bring in to stand up. Oh, mate, just that kind of presence and uh, yeah. the like. The enjoying failure and that and that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the optimist. Yeah, yeah. It's always say yes and like uh, always accept whatever happens. Yeah. And there's some of the exercises are like go up and try and juggle with eleven balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, obviously you can't. Yeah, can't yeah, yeah. Juggle with eleven balls. But, but you can just, keep trying. Yeah. He just this Dr. Brown guy described the clown like clown as um, he's like a kid sat at the back of the class and the teacher's like. Okay, children, today we're going to learn about this, about uh, France. Does anyone know what the capital of France is? And the clown is the kid sat in the back going, oh, yeah, yeah, me, me. He always puts his hand up. He's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And they're like, yeah, what, what is it, Jimmy? And he's like, London. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no, no. And he's like, oh, let me go again, let me go again. And he'll just keep fucking going and, it, and have a moment of like, no, London isn't it. And it's like, oh, fuck, that realisation of, oh, I've got it wrong. But then going again, yeah, straight yeah, back yeah. in. And that's like the, the innocence and the, the sort of, yeah, beauty of the clown. Such thing. a cool thing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's such a cool thing. So good. 
So you mentioned music a lot. Like, mm. like what kind of stuff do you make or listen to? Or um, I listen to all sorts of music, but the I I feel like when I was when I was younger, music was a massive part of my life. Like mm-hmm. I I I used to just sit. I I would sit and write out because obviously the internet wasn't quite as good at that point in time, and I would sit and write out like what I thought were the lyrics to rap songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just love that rhythm, that like bouncy, fun kind of sort of 90s hip hop vibe. Um, and I think it was when I first started listening, it was more about like the rhythm and the sounds of the music and stuff that I just fell in love with. And, and just, I don't know what it is. It fills me with so, so much joy. Like I wrote, wrote my uh, dissertation at Guildhall when we finished all my final thing was based on just one song that I'm obsessed with and love, this hip-hop tune. What is it? Um, it's called Uncommon Uncommon Valor by R.A. the Rugged Man. Cool, I'll look it up. Yes, yeah, fucking awesome. Um, listen to that and tell me you don't see like a full film in your head with characters and it's just amazing. Um, so yeah, I was always obsessed with it and recording these little songs and you know, remember those like white stick microphones yeah, with the, with like your PC desktop or whatever, your dad's PC desktop, um, and I'd like record shit with that, and I'd like smash a bottle in a bucket and put that in as a sound effect, and like I played the drums a little bit when I was young, and I've, I had a drum kit for a long time, so I'd like use that to make mm-hmm. sounds on the to record these sounds and then put these songs together, um, and then I met a, a dude through a girl who was in my class at college, and he was like this hip hop genius who had like walking into his room for the first time. Oh yeah. Well he, so I, I knew his girlfriend at college and he came to see a show, like a talent show we did one time. And I did like an Eminem song or something. Mm. Um, and then she came into college the next day with this note and it was like four bars of hip hop lyric, like rap lyrics. Um, sort of like, taking the piss out of me and she gave it to me and she was like uh, Luke said like write four bars and send it back to him and and just give it to me to take back so I'd take it for a week and I'd work on these like four bars and then I'd give it to her and, and then we didn't meet for ages and then, that's so weird I know so that's odd. so weird <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then I went to his house one day and we had this like A4 sheet of paper that's just like so one of us has still got it somewhere it's all like ripped and tatty but it's just like Four bars, four bars, four bars, four bars, turn it over, four bars, four bars, four bars, just attacking each other. Yeah. Um, which I thought was just the coolest thing in the world. And then I went to this guy's house and his room was set, he had CDs on three walls and one was like uh, West Coast hip hop, East Coast hip hop, and then everything in between. And then at the bottom it was like Southern rap and um, Dirty South stuff. and he would just I would go over there every so often and just he would show me all of these different hip hop mm. artists and all of these different sounds and types of music and stuff and uh, t- like within hip hop um, and yeah and we, we would then start writing together and we recorded these songs in a studio and the first year that I didn't get into Guildhall um, when I got back I was like fuck I don't know I'm just working at Tesco I guess yeah um, and then another advert in the paper for this uh, company down in Cornwall or like a I don't even know what you call them 
there was just this music studio in Cornwall that were like, we're looking for rappers. And, uh, and I told my mate Luke, and I was like, you know, we write these little things together and we never show anyone. But I was like, we should go down and like audition or whatever. They should come down and, you know, record a thing in the studio and we'll see what you like. So we went down there and instantly they were like, yes, yeah, sweet, like you guys can stay and we'll record music and stuff. So then every Friday night we were going down there and I was writing these raps and putting them over these beats that this guy was making. We, I could never quite, we never quite matched our, like his idea of hip hop music and like the producing side of that to my idea of rap and like our sounds never really quite binded. Yeah. Um, but we still did it and we had a good time doing it and like I loved it and then I got into Guildhall when I fucking forgot all about it and it was like my party trick at, at Guildhall parties where oh, I'd just yeah. go around the room and be like eh, you know freestyling about whatever or whoever um, so then it became just kind of a, a thing that I would do and, and then I just didn't do it for ages and um, but recently I've been you know I, I, the whole time I haven't been doing it I've still been writing little bits here and there Um and recently I started making these songs for my family, like these on their birthdays, because I'm fucking broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like, I, I think I wrote my auntie a poem and sent her a video. And then my mum said, and then when it came to my other auntie's birthday, my mum wrote to me and was like, you think you could do one of those poems for, for your other auntie? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I did another one for her. And then it was my mum's birthday and my sister was like, do you think you could do one of those things for mum? So then I wrote like a full on song for for that and then yesterday I did one for my dad and and it's just reminded me of this kind of fun that I have yeah. with this and with doing that and with like rhythm of speech and words and it's all I think I stayed not stayed away but like didn't take it seriously because it didn't fit into this box of acting that I thought you had to stay in you know yeah and as I'm getting older I'm like Oh, I'm not necessarily an actor. I mean, I am when I'm acting, but there's shitloads of other stuff that I like, love doing, and you know, can be creative with that doesn't involve just learning lines from a script and mm -hmm. getting into a into something that way. You know, I can write something myself, or and I can write this song and I can perform this song somewhere, and and it's it suddenly I'm having this like new thing where I'm like oh, I can do anything. Yeah, and also like it like. It, it obviously like they feed into each other like yeah. acting feeds into rap and rap and the rhythm of words totally and, man and it's storytelling and, yeah yeah and so yeah storytelling that's like the whole big thing yeah they like feed into each other like and hip-hop was like this amazing like revolution yeah in music and and i, I and i don't quite know how uh you know 10 year old white kid in devon found such an attachment to it I, I I remember the first CD I bought was like a my nan gave me a fiver we never used to get pocket money or anything because my nan and granddad worked in a news agents so we'd get like a magazine or whatever and one time um, we were going me and my mum were going down to Cornwall for like the weekend or whatever and my nan gave me a fiver and at a petrol station there was a bargain bucket of CDs for a fiver any mm. CD a fiver and there was one there that had six CDs in it. So I think that was my first thought. It was like, oh, six CDs, that's better than like one. Yeah. Um, and it had a big yellow smiley face on the front and it was old school hip hop classics or whatever. And uh, and yeah, and it, uh, it 
I can't explain it, man. It does something weird to me. I, I love it. Um, yeah. Well, I got like pretty into hip hop, and it kind of started with, um, like I always liked it a bit when I was younger, but then maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. I saw. Have you seen that Chance the Rapper thing on no. Jimmy Kimmel? No. Oh my god. Oh wait, actually, I think I have. So not the super recent one. Oh, he did like a new song that isn't released yet. Oh, okay. Um, like recently on Kimmel, but um, maybe a couple of years ago he did Blessings from his album Color and Blue. Yeah, yeah. And it's just the most, like, it just grabbed me. And yeah, I was yeah. just staring at the screen. And this is me, like, I'm a little bit better now, but I can't concentrate on stuff for <laughs> yeah, yeah, more yeah. than 20 seconds. Yeah, same here. I struggle. And I'm just terrible. Yeah. And I just... I was just staring at this thing for like four minutes. Yeah. Which seems like no time. But for four <laughs> minutes, I was just mouth open, yeah, just man. baffled. It's amazing. It's yeah. It's like magic. I, I love it. And it's like really just a pure version of, not version, but like, yeah, storytelling. Yeah. Um, and it sounds awesome. Yeah. That's the thing <laughs> as well. So there's like, I'm listening to like, my th- probably my three favorite rappers at the minute is... Chance the Rapper yeah. Kendrick who's doing a UK tour but the tickets oh, are 95 pounds yeah no thank you yeah um, and Loyal Corner who I'm going to see tomorrow <laughs> um, I love how you say it at the minute because like my favourite rappers do change on like oh, a so much. daily basis so much. <laughs> so everything everything I like changes there was I had a really weird phase and the people who I went to India with will attest to this I had a really weird phase over summer of listening to a lot of Carla Bruni I don't know who that it is it was this like weird French singer woman yeah. that was, was she, she was like married to the president or prime minister of France right and and her songs are like any anyone I know that speaks French hates them right so I assume the lyrics are super like twee or right. just really bad <laughs> but there was just for a month maybe two months I was just listening to this French woman yeah. sing, and it's uh, do you know Five Hundred Days of Summer? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know the song that's in French in that? No, I can't. There's like it, it's on that album, but <laughs> that's her, and that's how I've like heard it. And then I just got this one album and just had it like pretty much on repeat yeah, on man. my little Bluetooth speaker in India, yeah. and everyone was so angry at me. <laughs> but like, it's so strange. And then like now, if I listen to that, I'm a bit like, uh, yeah, I hate to ever get when you're listening to music on Spotify or whatever and you're walking along and you're like no that's not what I want to listen to yeah, yeah, and then you try yeah, and like you try something else and it's no that's not it either it's too much choice and, and I just I hate that when I'm like firing through all these albums I have saved and I'm like I don't want to listen to any of these but I know I want to listen to something and then sometimes it's oh I want to listen to a podcast and then but yeah. I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like no I want to listen to music and it's whatever it is I just have to listen to there's something that the specifics yeah has to be right exactly right it's very strange yeah man I love it though it's very music's <laughs> such a weird thing I know what, 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 like it must I'm oh, sorry to turn this around I don't know if you want to do that it. but like the, the um, uh, you're a drummer at Guildhall or like percussionist yeah percussionist yeah, yeah. yeah that's so cool man I don't know what I was going to ask I just I I was always jealous of the uh, musicians at drama school. Oh, I mean, I'm so the opposite. It's so funny. Oh, really? Um, I think it's it's that with everything where yeah, like everyone sees the, the grass is greener. Fun that man. type of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I d- yeah. I play percussion. 
<laughs> but you, but you haven't a cha- you've had a massive change of heart. Yeah, this hasn't come out on my podcast. Ah, oh, shit. Sorry, no, it's sorry. fine. It can totally come out. Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, I'm auditioning for drama school like this year, which is like a really funny thing because I had had this weird bit of advice from someone that said like, "Oh, don't tell too many people." It might be a Ken Ray little nugget of yeah. advice: don't tell too many people when you're auditioning. Yeah, because you'll like feel the weight on your shoulders yeah. when you go in t- and yeah. now I've just told I mean the 20 people can, who listen to the can, podcast oh, so it's like <laughs> you can cut it out um, no I'll leave it in it's fine um, so yeah I just had this whole like it's basically been a two year change of mind yeah since what do you think started it? well I did I did this piece called And She Flew in my second year yeah and po- po- well I saw my friend Sam who's gonna be on the podcast soon he performed it in his post-grad final recital. Right. Um, and he did it in... So it's a piece that's just speaking and rubbing your hands together. Oh, right. Um, and it's like rhythmic. And it goes like, this is where I start. That's cool. And then kind of, it's like a monologue, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Sam did it in... It was in Milton... His recital, post-grad recitals in Milton Court Concert Hall. Uh-huh. Which is big. I don't think it's a big room. So I don't know how many people sit in there. It's like 800 maybe. Milton Court is in the new building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't been into that. that like the um, concert room. hall is like, it's huge. And he like, he was doing like a lot of new pieces and like he's very, very good. So loads of people were at this recital. Yeah. But um, he said, like I spoke to him afterwards and he did this, he did this piece and she flew. He opened with it. So, and he just walked onto the stage doing that, just rubbing his hands together. And he just said, well, the reason... He said the reason he did it was to make that enormous room feel very, very small. Yeah. And kind of bring everyone in to allow him to do the rest of his program. That's cool. And it's this piece, and it's like a percussion piece in inverted commas, but it's just words and doing that. And yeah. like the rhythms of this is never more complicated than that's <laughs> it's it. So it's not a percussion piece, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have, I've had like a lot of issues with like my arms and like repetitive strain injury. Oh, shit. Um, and it still happens, but that was kind of the start of it around kind of second year. Yeah. Um, so it was like double excuse. I've seen this piece that I found really engaging and I couldn't really play percussion oh, <laughs> at the fuck. time. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do that in my upcoming platform. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and then I did that and, and, and really spiraled way too, way, way, way too far into it. So it's just like, it's this piece it's pretty like pretty dark like the themes right and um, I was really trying to like get into the mindset yeah. and I had like lessons with Dinah Stab. did you ever meet Dinah yeah, Stab? yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. She's, like, like she's one of my favourite humans um, <laughs> and she so we like really delved into this kind of like analysis of character that I'd never really experienced before I'd never like in anything that I'd prepared in music I'd never gone into that depth of analysis yeah Um. And I just found it really interesting where she, she like completely fucked me up. So she get, <laughs> I'm just going to like spoil the piece. I don't think anyone's that sad on it. It's not, it's not TV. Um, so basically the guy's like, this is where I started, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, basically in the middle, like the climax point, he pushes his girlfriend down the stairs. Fucking hell. And kills her. Like Jesus. Full dead. Um, <laughs> and then it becomes very like Lady Macbeth where this becomes him washing his hands. Yeah, sure. Um, and it ends and it's like um, 
and I'm washing with the water in the basin and I'm washing with the water in the basin and I'm washing with the water in the and it's yeah. it just gets very oh yeah um, I can see that and Dinah started like she went in and she, she sat down and she was like right so talk me through what happens in the piece and I was like right so she'd worked on it before with Sam oh she'd um, worked on that piece yeah with okay. Sam so right. I was like so standing at the window you look out and then like kind of it all spirals into this like remembering of this like horrible horrible moment it says like this is where we stood when we kissed when we spoke and then this is where we stood when we fought getting fast beating hands upon my chest when I pushed when I gave a little push with my hands upon her back and she flew Jesus um, yeah um, and and she's like right so what, like talk to me about that and I was like well it's just that thing where like you're maybe having an argument and then like she like hits your chest and then like you kind of like like try to like hug her or something or yeah, like yeah. like trying to just like stop it and then she's like blah, blah 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 and then she like pushes away from you and then you just like as a reaction just push but like you're on the stairs yeah. so it just all goes terribly terribly wrong oh, fuck you, no. so I so I'd said that word accident and Dinah Stab just went just went really? and I was like uh, yeah because I was trying to I was coming at it from a very like me yeah, yeah. point of view and I was with my at that point I was with my no, ex-girlfriend for I was with her for like three years she's not dead at that time. no she's not dead I didn't, I didn't push her on the desk that'd be so funny no um, what would you would you call it the, your late girlfriend if she died it would have been ex because yeah, ex so. seems like it's deliberate oh it's both so I, I said that word accidentally and Diana just said really I said yeah like you know you just don't realize like in the moment it's all a bit heated and you just like flail your arms out basically yeah. and um, and she was like nope I just said what she said I mean it takes a lot of force to push someone all the way down the stairs and she flew true it's not like she tumbled down the stairs yeah yeah she didn't she flew <laughs> she didn't miss a step like well she missed all of the steps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you pushed her really hard and I was just sat in this room with Dinah because she, she kept saying you <laughs> and I was like oh okay oh, and it got super dark and this is the, this is when I realised that within music we we have this thing and oh yes yeah, so that was my second platform of the year that I was doing that and the first platform I played a piece called Little Prayer which mm. is just like I remember a piece really slow quite like warm very sad it's a little prayer it's by Evelyn Glennie and she she's a percussionist that like gradually went deaf in her teens oh, wow. and she wrote this piece when she was like 14 um, and she's not actually deaf it's all it's all hype she's oh. like 75% hearing okay but she like her whole gimmick is that she's deaf right like and she like is barefoot on stage so she can feel the rhythm through her feet okay. and it's kind of bullshit oh. Um <laughs> that's really brutal I hope she doesn't listen that to the podcast brutal. that's hilarious did I just apologise to a deaf person in case they listen to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> well if she's only you know. Evelyn Glennie if you can hear this I'm right um, <laughs> that's so grim so I was playing this piece and um, at the time same girlfriend had of the, the time of the first platform that year same girlfriend had like just broken up with me yeah and I was like I had a terrible time yeah. I was just like a shell of a human <laughs> so I applied all this kind of stuff to um, all the thoughts about her losing her hair and I just applied to like girlfriendy stuff yeah and I was like 
I remember like really kind of spiraling with this piece and I would go in to practice it and then just like burst into tears and then leave and not be able to like, I couldn't separate the technicality from the, the emotion of the yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when I was like, oh shit, this is like, I've never felt this way about like Connecting performance. I've never f- like thought this much. And, and um, so then we got back together at Christmas <laughs> and then my next platform was like two months after that. So I still had all this like that kind of new defined like really inquisitive like I want to pick something apart like that I want to feel yeah that intensely about what I'm performing oh cool and she so I like working with Diana Stab and she she brought in this in this article about so two years ago now th- there was this guy who a, a double bass player yeah or something and his wife was also a musician but oh. she was way more successful than him okay and and he just killed her but like. Her, their friend walked in while he was like strangling her Fuck and he hell. just looked at them and said I'm gonna kill her and like just strangled like and I kind of think if you're the friend and he's got her pinned down and is strangling her like you kick him in the face yeah. really really hard sure. but she like went and phoned the police and it's like you should have kicked him in the face yeah fuck. but yeah so Diana just like gave me that great and Cheers, I was like <laughs> um so I got up and did this piece and and I would like practice it when I was on my bike, just the words and the rhythms and just like cycling in and out of guild talk. Yeah. And um and I found myself like really like kind of spiraling into this weird where I was I had this weird kind of cuz I was pretending to be like a vicious like not vicious but like someone, someone who had who done maliciously this. killed someone. Yeah someone that they like really cared about um, and I had really like really she made me like really vividly picture my ex at the bottom of the stairs <laughs> in like a crumpled heap um, and it was so intense yeah. and I remember thinking like I'm really fucking myself up here yeah. like I was getting I was really stressed I was snapping at people I was really like aggressive at work and I was like I just wasn't friendly to anyone and yeah, I was, yeah. like, but this is the whole time so I couldn't like I couldn't separate myself from this piece. I, it was just me. And um, I remember thinking at the time, I was like, actors get trained on how to separate that, how to make a connection to a text, but look after themselves yeah. and come back out of it. Yeah. And I was like, I've never been told how to do that. I've never even been told that's a thing. Like within music, it's never discussed that you can go too deep into feeling the emotions of a piece. <laughs> it's never discussed. And I just had this, this I was just freaking out. Yeah, I was just I was just fully just spiraled into this really strange piece. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a weird thing to do. Yeah, to like especially when it's dark stuff because you can pretend yeah. to be like a funny character, <clears throat> for like and it it obviously affects you in the same way, but it doesn't feel negative. Yeah, yeah, because you're you just like are funny or, or whatever. Yeah, but if you're like pretending to be like a really sly, like properly like. <laughs> anguished torn up person yeah it gets like I just find it really really hard and I, that was initially when I was like right so I'd really like to learn about that I'd yeah. like to have more opportunities to connect this much to the thing that I'm performing and, and throughout music like I, I didn't really find that connection again after doing that piece with Dinah um, I found it recently in, in, in pieces that I'm looking at I'm writing like a, a solo snare drum piece that's based on hip hop. 
really cool. Um, and 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 a piece called Corporel, which is like a lot of like body percussion and stuff. Um, <laughs> do you, do you perform cool. these to the public? Well, it's like so that was for a performance platform, and the, I'm doing Corporel at my final recital, which is in June, and it's going to be the most ridiculous thing ever. It's going to be based on like like clowning and French surrealism and and wonderful. Sounds music. cool, man. Um, yeah, I'll let you know when it is. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, but yeah, so then th- kind of through that, I kind of just had this thought that like, well, maybe the logical, the logical conclusion to like re- really veering towards these like performance art type things and yeah. really connecting to something is 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 acting because that's it's, it's the most sim- I'm doing a lot of stuff with text and character and, and, and yeah well it's like definitely one of these like what we were talking about earlier it's a it's a transferable skill mm. you know and that's what uh, Ken focuses on a lot as well is like you you know I, I remember this one class and I remember thinking the fuck with Ken because it was like you know with the stuff that you're learning here you could also go and teach like he does, you know, teach fucking millionaires to speak publicly or, um, you know, or give, talk to people about fucking body language or connecting with people and, and speaking to people. There's, have you seen it on the tube recently? There's all this rada in business and become a more successful business person, become a more successful leader, become a better communicator. And it's like rada in business, like get in touch with our website and we'll, wow. Like that's what it is. That's it, it. it's uh, it's not just one thing it's so many things and it comes into like stand up it comes into music it comes into f- corporate business like it's in everything um, I was thinking about this morning I was like it's so dangerous to just to just be an actor not yeah. dangerous but like uh, you know it can stop you from having experiences that are going to enrich well, it's that your f- acting. It's maybe, and correct me if I'm not going on the wrong, but I often think uh, people become very like narrow-minded in terms of, like a lot of people, a phrase is like music for the sake of music or art for the sake of art. Mm. And, and people put like theatre like above like life. Yeah. They say like, oh, it's, it's like, it's more than life. It's kind of more in like a very weird use of the word more. Yeah. Um, but realistically, like, like every piece of theater, it has to be informed by life. Yeah. So inherent and every piece of music has to be informed by life and life experiences. So surely to perform that you're, you have to be informed by life and yeah. life experiences. Cause if you just train, as a musician or as an actor, you've got maybe nothing to draw draw upon. Yeah, or less, or like, uh, yeah, exactly that. That's part of the reason why I feel like I went to drama school too young. It's because it was all just following this path of being an actor, rather than, I mean, I obviously I didn't, I spent a year not doing it, sorry, we're going on no, the road. No, no, no. Um, I spent a year not doing uh, doing any of it and then shit I can't remember what I was saying <laughs> well, that's fully my fault um, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah coming to drama school too young too young yeah oh yeah because like it was all just that 
it was all towards being an actor and you know that yeah it, it doesn't need to be all about that it's you obviously it's you have to learn your craft and also I think there's you know there's I don't think drama school is the be all and end all for that you know it, it, for some people it is great and for other people it's not I know people who didn't go to drama school who are super successful um, and are know, they super good as well yeah different, yeah yeah like they've learnt in a different way yeah um, and learnt through sort of um, doing it yeah I was I was kind of looking thinking about that because like obviously that's fucking hard yeah 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 and 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 i the so there's a there's this great facebook page which has been like i've just absolutely abused um recently called in the moment uh-huh. it's a phenomenal facebook page it's got like interviews with like mark rylance and, uh, and cool. like, young ian mckellen yeah about i think i've seen and, that and there's this one with helena bonham carter and yeah i was kind of it was i was maybe down that path of like thinking about like like, because I was talking to people about drama school auditions, and they said they'll probably ask you why you want to go to drama school, yeah. or why you want to train for three years, and why you want to fully like immerse yourself in yeah. this thing. Um, and I was like, right, so it, like, I want to perform on stage as an actor, but like, that's not a, that's not enough. That doesn't answer the question of why I want to train yeah. for three years. Yeah. Um. So I was looking at this Helena, Helena Bonham Carter thing, and she like goes through her story, and she's like kind of had this weird like chip on her shoulder where it was like oh you don't need to go to drama school like you can yeah. do it without and it's like yeah I mean if you've been acting in films with phenomenal actors since you were 13 yeah yeah, yeah. Hell, <laughs> yeah. that's fine <laughs> not everyone's done that exactly um, but yeah and but like separate to that there's definitely ways yeah no totally yeah I, I don't think there's any right or wrong way mm. um, you know drama school came after acting yeah um so I, I yeah I don't know it's it's this is all stuff that's like floating around my massive hollow skull at the <laughs> minute like you know it's, it keeps bouncing off each side of the the wall like um, yeah what's it all about um, but just finding this freedom in in there not necessarily being a right way or a specific path that you have to take yeah and it's the, the again a Ken Ray thing where he says. If, like, you look at the age that Daniel Craig went to Guildhall. Yeah. He was 30-something, wasn't he? Was he? I don't know. I'm I th- not sure. I think he was 30-something when oh, he wow. started Guildhall. That's... And, um, and he he got his first, like, big role. He got bombed when he was 40. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, like, maybe his first big role. Yeah, I think he did... I remember someone saying something to me about him doing... Angels in America or something at the National. I think it was Maybe. Angels in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that rings a bell. But yeah, I mean, but certainly kind of blowing thing. him up and into being a known actor. Was, yeah, and was the, and and a very late thing. And like Brendan Gleeson wasn't in a film until he was forty. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, Shawshank was his first big film. Yeah. He's old in that. Yeah, yeah. And and you and as you as you like stick with acting. You, f- you find that like lots of people naturally drop off yeah and kind of there's some people that just like are really good at acting as a 45 year old yeah but that obviously means that you you don't like 
you can't do that when you're 22. <laughs> no. So if you're fresh out of drama school, haven't gone to drama school at 19 or whatever, yeah, you can't like get roles as a 45 year old <laughs> unless you look really, really old. It's unlikely, yeah. Yeah, so like, it's that thing of maybe like just like keeping stuff taking over making stuff that's it and like and like people get breaks at ridiculous times Harrison Ford was like had some random job yeah he was like a carpenter and just I think he just got somebody saw him and who who did Spielberg did Indiana Jones I think so yeah and And he saw him and, and just said like I'll come read for this. Yeah, I really had to. He, he like had to swing on a rope or something. And yeah, yeah. And that that the nice yeah, Harrison man. Ford. Yeah, there's no uh, like equation that will get you to actor. Also, I feel like we spend and and we have to because these these people are like you know role models and and whatever. But like we do spend an awful lot of time focusing on those people, um, which, you know, I felt like then, as I was saying that, that, that I consider, I'm like, it's like almost, oh, Morgan Freeman did Shawshank, that's when he became an actor. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, no, I mean, what what was he doing before then? Yeah. And like, what you know, the, the times when people aren't, before they've got to that step, like, what is it actually like to be an actor, I wonder? Well, I know, I guess, but <laughs> but it's it's that thing, and it, you see it like people should be more like vocal about the the bits before fame, and it's like there's a couple of people like Bo Burnham, yeah, yeah who's yeah. like great stand up, yeah, like somebody like it might have been Jimmy Kimmel or someone on some American chat show, so like, oh, what's your advice for people that want to go into like the entertainment business? And he said, don't take advice from me. Never take advice from people like me. I got incredibly lucky. Yeah. If you follow my advice, you'll probably end up homeless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I just got incredibly lucky. Yeah. That's like asking Justin Bieber for advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He yeah. just posted a video on YouTube of him singing when he was like 13. Yeah. And now he's... Don't... Uh, I read somewhere, or some, I heard someone saying recently, just don't... Advice the only advice you should follow is your own yeah because everything's super personal yeah like everything I thought that for a little while I was like no one can exactly know no this and it and that thought is so liberating it's it's a very lonely thought it is and 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 you you can become quite jaded with that thought totally and, and I have had a hard time with that thought as well um but I don't know, yeah, I'm going through this thing at the moment where I'm just like, fuck it. My path is, I'm building it as I'm going along, you know? And the world's probably going to end. Yeah. Very suddenly. Yeah. Rather soon. Yeah. <laughs> so who's better off? Who gives a shit? <laughs> so yeah. Like, like, there's, like there's, that, there's a few things. It's like AI. <laughs> They've got these two computers that started speaking to each other in a language that humans can't understand. <laughs> and they had to turn them off because they didn't know what they were conspiring, saying to each other. Yeah. And there's like Yellowstone super volcano, yeah. which has had a thousand earthquakes in the past month. And if that goes, we all die. And then there's like Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Oh, 
just having a weird Twitter war. Like, you know, what is yeah. that? That's so strange. It's <coughs> so strange. It's like, uh, it's mad. It's. I mean, I, in a way, I really like the whole Trump thing because it really highlights how ridiculous politics is in yeah. its current iterance. And how ridiculous we are. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 like, we are really not as important as we make out to ourselves, you know? Um, which is a kind of dark thought, I guess, but not... No, maybe that's too... Well, all of these kind of thoughts, I find, can lead in, like, very different directions. So yeah. you have... You have that thought of like, oh, nothing really matters. Like the actual consequences of what I do are nil. Yeah. So, and you can take that in a very selfish way. Yeah, you could push your de- girlfriend down the stairs. And, yeah, yeah, and be like, <laughs> well, and you can just be like super self-involved and then like get rid of any, anyone in your life and be super rude to people because nothing matters and yeah. like it's all about whether you're just having fun in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can also take it in a different way and be like, oh, well, because nothing else matters, obviously the most important thing that I can comprehend is like my experience and the collective experience of everyone. Yeah. So I'm just going to try and make that super positive. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like all these different ways. And it's like, oh, the world's going to end. So I'm just going to be super lazy. Yeah. Or like, like I like advice is like take advice with a pinch of salt because like you like have your own personal experiences and your own way of doing things. Yeah. And you'd be like, I'm not going to listen to anyone. Yeah. But like, obviously you listen to people. Like, yeah, like, man. People know stuff. Of Everyone course. you meet knows stuff that you don't know. Yeah. But yeah. yeah so, you can learn something from every single meeting you yeah. have with someone. Although I had this, this came up in a discussion I was having with someone recently where I basically said like, oh no, there are like idiots. There are like full like there are very stupid people they do oh. exist oh, yeah. not, they still have stuff to tell you totally and that you don't know yeah but like there's they can still be like really really dumb yeah totally and it was like no 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 like no one's no one's properly stupid I was like yeah well, I don't know what I think about that actually I maybe agree with that do you think stupid people exist? um well yeah I mean like <laughs> <laughs> stupid as in making stupid decisions maybe or but I think but then I, that's my own I think some people are just really really dumb and like like yeah and maybe, and maybe it is maybe they're not and maybe it's just that pattern of thought has led them to having like weird points of view on stuff exactly or you know and or people don't to, to this may be going down that route again but like you know people don't if it, it, like I, I'm sometimes very inarticulate, like, and I can't get and people get annoyed because I sort of go jump and do this and start a sentence and then go back to another one and and I don't say anything for ages and I feel dumb and um, so I think some people just have a different way of thinking about things that aren't necessarily translatable into like the common yeah. Maybe. Language. Well, I, I've had a thing recently that a couple of people have said this to me. Yeah. And I've realized that it really stresses me out when someone <laughs> says, oh, no, I'm not funny. What do you mean? I'm like, like, if someone says, like, oh, like, being like, somebody says something about, like, oh, he's really funny. Yeah. And then, like, you're talking to someone and they will say, like, oh, no, I'm not funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. That really stresses me out. <laughs> if I'm talking to someone and they say that they're not funny... I don't know what to do. What do you mean? What? Because like so, this then, you, whole time, then you have this expectation. I'd say like maybe like seventy five percent of the time we've been talking. Yeah, we've been trying to say funny things. 
Me and you? Yeah. Okay. So, like, most of my conversations are me and my friends cracking jokes. Yeah, yeah, trying to make each other laugh. Trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. But, like, how does their brain work if they just say, I'm not funny, so I never attempt to be funny? <laughs> yeah. Do you just have really <laughs> dull, serious conversations with people? I think it's a protection thing. Yeah, maybe that's... Well, you have... Yeah, because you can't think you're funny. Exactly. Because that ruins being funny. Well, maybe so they're if just you go, above us all. If you go like, I'm not... Oh, I'm not funny, then you don't have to make the attempt and look like an idiot if something you say isn't found funny. Yeah, maybe. They're like, I, I... You know, there's the... Maybe they don't... Because I, t- I tend to think they don't actually mean it. Yeah, yeah. But, the, like, just that thought of someone that genuinely... I'm not funny. ...doesn't see the point in trying to be funny. yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. That stresses me out. That really stresses me out. I don't know why. No, don't let it, man. It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm. And you, you could make a. You could make the joke out of them. You know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah I just. I just you found recently a couple of people said it to me, and I. Ooh, what? <laughs> There's not a lot you can do with it, is there? Yeah, it's such a conversation ender. Yeah, yeah. No, no I'm not funny. CK. Um. Okay. What about the weather then? Or what? <laughs> yeah, so. How are you? Good. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's very, very strange. That's how it would go. It's very, very strange. Um, so let's do some let's do some questions from from avid podcast listeners. Oh, sick. Yeah, I've started like doing a Snapchat where I say like, any questions for the podcast? Really? Um, yeah, it's really yeah. good. Like you just like get people to send stuff in. I, like I was thinking about doing a tweet maybe, but. That's great. Many followers on Twitter, but I just Snapchat like loads and loads of people. Yeah, which people don't like. I have friends that are super against group Snapchats. I really, I don't really, I don't use it at all. Mm. I don't know how it works, really. Right, what are we looking at? These are probably questions based at like on the the like I think maybe when it was supposed to be the guy, the second guy I was supposed to have on who's okay. like MD at the Globe. So <laughs> some of them might not make sense. <laughs> um, where is it? Right. Have you ever injured yourself while performing? Yeah. <laughs> There's so, definitely such a story. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> no, I that mean, was an I've seen too much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had some pretty horrific uh, injuries whilst performing. Um, actually, never in a performance. Um, have I? No, never in a performance, only in rehearsals. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, I used to play ice hockey. And I, in in a game one time, I dislocated my got, my shoulder got dislocated mm-hmm. when someone checked me, and it was the most horrific thing that's ever happened to me. And then I did it again with my other shoulder, and then so like once that happens to you once, your shoulder's all yeah. Gone. I've done my left shoulder yeah, done, like a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. So you know, and once you've done it once, it could happen. Yeah, it's happened to me be asleep one time. Yeah, yeah, that happened with my hip once. Stuff, your hip. Yeah, so I'm hypermobile. Same. It's like a, yeah, so yeah. I wake up and it's like a bit out of place. Jesus, like, that's fucking horrible. <laughs> um, it literally makes me feel sick, like thinking about my own shoulders. It's horrible. But funnily enough, so I, I and then I didn't dislocate for ages, mm-hmm. and then I was in a movement class with Danny McGraw at Guildhall. I think it was the first year because I was still in uh, Sundar and uh, we were playing this game called the name game which is like a half tag half name game thing 
I think I might have played. We had a guy yes. who does a lot of theatre come in and do a percussion class. Oh, probably, yeah. So, like, is it when someone's coming towards you and you shout someone else's name? Yeah, so you got... I go... I tag you, and then you have to shout someone's name. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, so I would tag you. If I tag you, you shout someone's name, and then the person whose name you shouted has to tag someone else. And when they get tagged... They shout someone's name. It's I think something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of running around, and it gets yeah, all it hyped gets super up. Intense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tagged Danny McGraw, who's the head of movement now at Guildhall, and I hit his chest, and just with my hand, just like tapped him, and my shoulder just popped straight out, and I spun around, and I fell on the floor, and I was like crying, going, "Not again, not again," because not one time have I ever been able to get it back in myself. It's yeah. always been hospital vibes. Um, so anyway that happened didn't happen for a while happened in my sleep one time and it didn't happen for a while and uh, and then I was t- a year ago maybe was it a year ago yeah I think a year ago I was doing I, I would have just finished doing As You Like It in Windsor Park Windsor Great Park um, and I was playing Orlando and at the beginning he has a fight with the wrestler Charles the Wrestler and we're doing the choreographed fight in the rehearsal space in the uh, rehearsal space and this dude who I was fighting against was fucking mass, like wedge, like ripped. I've, I've never <laughs> seen someone so like stacked up, you know. He was a gymnast as well, and he he like did the punch or whatever, and I blocked it. And as I blocked it, it popped out, and I went down to the floor. And then there was this whole thing about can I still do it or whatever. And I was like, yes, I can, yes, I can. Um, so yeah, for the first like three weeks of a four week run of As You Like It I was in a sling <laughs> and had to win that fight at the beginning in a sling Yeah, um, and nearly popped out my left shoulder doing that <laughs> we made it into one of those you know like have you ever seen that YouTube video where there's that guy who clearly does some sort of like capoeira and he's dancing around and does backflips and he's like the crowd are all getting hyped up and this other dude's just stood there and then he like does some cartwheel, runs in and then as he does it, the other guy just goes smack and he's out. Oh, there. I've seen that. That's yeah. so funny. So satisfying. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, like that moment in Indiana Jones. Which one? Have you seen the guy? So like, I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark and the guy's going mad yeah, with the yeah, sword yeah, 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 yeah. and then Harrison Ford just goes back. <laughs> yeah. So that was improvised. There was like a whole car guy fight scene. Oh yeah, I know. He was like, was like super hungover. Yeah, and just went nah. Yeah, fuck <laughs> it, we did. Um, so yeah, we did something like that instead, um, which ended with me doing like a big left. I was just dodging the whole thing, and he was doing all these flips and shit because he could do that. And then at the end, I would just clock him with a left like yeah. backhand, and once in, with the adrenaline of doing a show, I did. I had one arm in a sling, and I flung my arm around to to do like the punch or whatever and my left shoulder went <laughs> and it went back it like oh, went sweet, back in yeah, place yeah. and I, I shat myself um, and then I would get on top of him and like punch him but it was all in the round so we had to do this this like masking it was hard to mask like yeah, the punches yeah. or whatever and uh, and because of the time that my I thought my shoulder was coming I was finding it really hard to do the punches so I just started like I don't know what I was doing like <laughs> trying to fake headbutt this guy and I bit his forehead <laughs> and I just was like fuck and I looked down at him and he was fucking bleeding out of his forehead and I, my two front teeth had just gone straight into his nut um, so that was so I didn't I sort of got injured during rehearsals then nearly yeah. got injured and then injured someone Bit else yeah so yeah that's that that's crazy yeah 
That's the best answer that could have come out. <laughs> it's horrible, man. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and that is it. I hope you enjoyed this month's episode with Lewis Goody. I think it's really quite good. Um, I'll definitely, definitely, definitely have the next one out by the end of October. I promise. I'm not going to commit to who it's going to be because that didn't work out well last time. But it will be someone interesting and it will be out before the end of October. Probably. Um, Should I make a Facebook page for the podcast? That's my question of the day. Whether that needs done. Or my phone wasn't on flight mode, so that might have been going, interfering with the mic. But um, I don't know, because I don't really like spamming people on my Facebook profile, because a lot of people won't care, slash, I I don't know, they just won't care. Um, But I can commit to the November episode of the podcast. That's going to be with some lads from Guildhall called Alice and Alex who set up a theatre company called Taran Chips and they wrote a play called Talk to the Dog that's about like male mental health and it's really good. I read it, I haven't seen it, but that's being performed on the 4th and 5th of December in in Milton Court Rehearsal Room 3, I think, which is a really nice space and it's a really nice play. Well, not nice, it's a really good play. Um, and lots of cool things in the pipeline for podcasts. Definitely going to get a band man in at some point. Going to get my friend Shubs, who's an actor that was recently the lead in Lions and Tigers at the Sam Wanamaker Theatre at the Globe. Going to do that India podcast. It's going to be good. This is getting really boring. Um, I'm going to take you through right now. So... If you're on an iPhone, get your phone out of your pocket. Right, like get it, you know, get it out, get it, or or like just get it out. Click on the podcast button. Click on search. Type in the forty-two podcast. Click on it. It's on the bottom left. Click subscribe, and then just in the middle, it'll say details reviews and related click on reviews click write a review make it five stars if you want make it one star if you want i just give feedback give actual feedback about what you would like the podcast to be about yeah that's pretty much it um as always gonna end on a song um again trying to stay away from stuff that might get me sued by like record people so i'm gonna play a tune by a band that i played with a couple times called velcro love um i'm not on this recording but it's really really nice um the rest of the guys from the band are all away being tremendously successful actors so it's 
on a bit of hi a hiatus. That's a word I can't really say. But I hope you enjoyed this month's episode. And I'll see you soon. Now home is a long way to go If I can't pin you down Uncertainly I left my coat Could I just pop round To and fro To and fro From one more time away from home Will you need me One more time away from home Will you leave me I know what you're going to say Since you ripped out the core The walls are all brown and decayed That's me at the door Going to and fro We're going to and fro It's one more time away from home Do you hear me? One more time away from home You'll never see me One more time away from home Don't deceive me It's the best of times here and the worst of times there Well, I don't know what you want me to say Cause a pillow needs here though I'm not there You'll not go Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.